Hello! Welcome to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm good. I'm sitting on my couch. I've got at least four bottles of whiskey next to me and I don't trust men who walk quietly. <laughs> Nor should you. <laughs> or men who... <laughs> There's a the the opening scene of this movie mm. when he's walking in there with the prostitute yes. and he's got the camera hidden under his jacket. <laughs> yes, I was like, uh, how is is that not supposed to be conspicuous? Like, is right. this, I was like, is that a Bowflex in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> it's 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 what is that loud mechanical whirring sound I mean, coming I from guess, your front I guess pocket? if you're a 1950s slash 1960s sex worker in london yeah you've like seen it all so you're just like yeah whatever yeah good Fine. deal though from Bring that the- lady i know yeah. anyway <laughs> what we're talking about today if we were wouldn't it be amazing if what we were talking about was just like we went to london and hung out once i think it would be interesting if we talked about this movie but only the economics of the prostitute scene yes in 1960s england let's do it uh we are talking about peeping tom from 1960 this is number 32 wow. on our list with a 95 percent rotten tomatoes score you know not to keep harping on this <laughs> but uh this is number 32 yes and i think i'm just gonna go out on the on a limb here and say mm-hmm. that I'm okay with that 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 I'm okay with that placement. Like this is I think this oh. movie has a lot of um importance baked into it. It's mm-hmm. it, for a lot of reasons. Number 33 is 10 Cloverfield Lane. What? Yeah. Um which like it's fu- it's good. Fu- fun movie, but yeah. I don't know if I would put it on this list at all. Yeah, that, it, not that high anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. 187 would be great. Um, had you seen Peeping Tom before? No, I knew nothing about this film. Oh, excellent. Yeah, went in totally, totally cold. Two in a row. Well, actually, two in a row for me as well from the, uh, early days of Netflix clay renting Mm. horror movies he's never seen before. Stealing DVDs from Netflix. No, I sent this one back. (laughs) Got it. Not that I didn't send the other one back. It just got lost. I see. I see. Uh, yeah, I, this was another one where I had come across some sort of list. I can't remember if it was online or if it was one of those scariest movie moment shows or whatever. Oh, AMC telling you, yeah. like, you should watch this one. Which are really, th- I really like those shows. There's actually, uh, there's, there's a new one. They made one oh. for Shudder. Oh, fun. That's, I think, like the 101 scariest movie moments. Um, which I, the other, a couple weeks ago, I found myself lying on the couch at 2 a.m., <laughs> watching that and i was like i feel like i'm 12 again <laughs> but that's how that kind of stuff should be watched right 2 a.m alone in the dark on the couch yes yeah, yeah. taking notes uh but yeah this was one uh, that was uh came very highly regarded i had never heard mm. of it before mm. um and yeah i saw it and it was definitely much different than i was expecting yeah um but i i liked it and there is a lot to talk about so mm. we will play the trailer for you and then we will get into it look out look out look out take care you are being watched we repeat take care for you are now alone with a killer we warn you don't let him see the fear in your eyes for this is what he seeks and this is why he kills where are you 
love for Carl Byrne as the peeping Tom. Fear him, but pity him also. <laughs> it's no good. Watch out for Moira Shearer as the lovely stand-in who innocently dances into danger. Imagine. Someone coming towards you who wants to kill you. Regardless of consequences. A madman? Yes. Wait! Anna Massey is the girl who falls victim to the charms of a lonely stranger upstairs. Switch it off, Mark! Mark, switch it off! Maxine Audley, as the blind woman who senses the danger that threatens her and her daughter, but is helpless. Don't be frightened. Don't be frightened. Hot. So put that camera away! There is no future for anyone who tries to befriend him. He invades the privacy of innocent people till the piercing eyes of his camera meet the terrified eyes of his victims. And with a compulsion akin to madness, he shoots the final fearful scene. Okay, Peeping Tom, directed by Michael Powell, written by Leo Marx, starring Carl Heinz Baum, Anna Massey, Moira Shearer, Jack Watson, and Dance. <laughs> There's a I think it's I think it's at least a supporting role of yeah. the, the art of interpretive dance. Absolutely. Um Amanda, what happens in Peeping Tom? Loner Mark Lewis works at a film studio during the day and, at night, takes racy photographs of women. Also, he's making a documentary on fear, which involves recording the reactions of victims as he murders them. He befriends Helen, the daughter of the family living in the apartment below his, and tells her vaguely about the movie he is making. She sneaks into Mark's apartment to watch it and is horrified by what she sees, especially when Mark catches her. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Happens to the best of us. It's the whole movie. Yeah, pretty much. That summary was just the whole movie. Well, good night. (laughs) Goodbye, folks. Anyway, Clay, Mm. some things you'll find in Peeping Tom include Mm -hmm. quote unquote educational books. Yeah, I had a lot of questions about that (laughs) because the guy goes into this store. Yes, and this is very early in the movie. Yeah, this is like the second scene, yes. second or third scene. Yes, an older older man comes into the newsagent's shop. Yes. Which um, is like a corner store. And requests to see the views. Yes. Which apparently seems to be a book full of pornography. Yes, naked ladies. Um, and then he, he purchases the whole book, I think. He buys because the whole book. He, well, first he, he peruses the whole book. That's true, yes. And uh, reacts as though he's never seen a naked woman before in his life. Well, you know, English are pretty uptight, especially in the 60s, coming out of the war. Fair, you know, fair, yeah. repressed, so you never know. <laughs> um, yes, he buys the whole book of views. Yeah, I w- but uh, and then they put it into this bag, this very discreet bag that says yes. educational books on it. Yes. But everywhere else on the walls and on the doors, in plain view, in this... <laughs> 
newsstand yes. are naked women. This is one of my this was one of my questions in my actual notes about like what is happening here. Yeah, I couldn't I mean, I'm sure I'm I'm a hundred percent sure there is some sort of con- contemporary thing we just don't understand. I hope so, because otherwise, weird choice. Unless I mean unless the stuff he was buying was like hardcore stuff, I maybe? I don't think so. I think it's just the pictures that Mark takes. That's what I thought, yeah. yeah. Anyway. You know what it reminded me of? Um, <laughs> I can't remember if you. I think I showed you this part of it, but I have. I have a. I have a video of you. <sighs> no, uh, I have a video. <laughs> Jesus of, Christ! I have a, a, a series of videos taken at the uh, moment vid- of death. Yes, at the video store that I used to go to when I was when I was a kid. You did show me those, yes. And uh, it's great. It, it's from like 1987. This is just like home camcorder footage of yep. from the people who own the store, uh, you know, filming the, the people who yep. came suburban in. Suburban video rentals. Yeah, it's very, yeah. Um, it's very fun to to peruse those views. But there's <laughs> there's one guy in there who is just flipping through the porno book. Oh, yes, and it's really funny because he's just like casually doing it. Yeah, and I just I have never I can't decide if if it takes. Uh, a, a huge amount of self-confidence or a negative amount of shame to go into a normal video store that is not a mm. pornography store and just be like, could you just bring the pornos over and yeah, in full view of everyone. Right. That's yeah. the thing. It's not like some back. It's not like um, in Union Square at the old midnight convenience when there used to be the, the porn room in the back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, ballsy yeah i mean i'm sure you're pro i mean i'm going to assume it's not the first time he's gone in there to get porno right (laughs) i mean if i'm recalling correctly what you had in your views Mm -hmm. um he looked pretty comfortable like he looked he looked pretty like like he knew what he was doing yeah this was not like a shifty affair and so like you have to think this the 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 people at the neighborhood video store (laughs) know this guy as someone who comes in to rent porn and he's apparently cool with it, and they, I mean, I mean, well, they're making money. Just they don't let care. him but live, okay? Clint? No, it's just I, I, it's a mindset that I, that I don't, I can't. Good for him, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> anyway, live in his life. Some other things you'll find in this movie include. <laughs> um, where is I going next? If he had been like a jaunty. <laughs> jolly english fellow like in the movie oh yes sir of course that, so. I, right yeah away, that sir. would be great it would be much better uh a blind mother who can still see the red flags yeah yeah, yeah. she um i'm not totally sure what she thinks he is i want to talk about that more okay like, like when we're in it sure because i do find it kind of like plot wise a little murky sure yeah um where else am i uh really good coats Great coats in this movie. Great coats. Great coats. All sorts of collars and, and things going on. Yeah, Mark has a really nice coat. Yep. There's the one, I think the the dancing girl, the one Viv, Viv mm-hmm. has a fin is I think is it her? Who has the Bane jacket? I'm pretty I'm pretty sure there's a couple. There's a couple kind of Bane style yeah. jackets. Really nice with like the, the big, like sheepskin collars and they're oh, I want one of those big so and cozy bad. looking. I feel like I could pull off a Bane jacket. I think you could. Yeah. Yeah. I ne- I have just, not just, been able to find one you could like a real scare one. Scare the crap out of people who don't know you. Yeah. It'd be great. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh cop plot. I would I would hope somebody would say to me that coat looks very comfy for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> Please don't hurt me. <laughs> Nobody cared who I was till I put on the coat. Yes, cop plot. Cop plot. Uh, my favorite thing ever. Uh, the calling it out just for you. It's it's an English it's an English horror movie. It's gonna have a cop plot in cop it for plot. some reason. Uh, not too much cop stuff in this. Yeah, it which is. is it nice. is kind of the last like third of the movie, and it's pretty. <clears throat> It's pretty directly just like in parallel to what is actually happening. Yeah. And you know, like there's like, we find a body on set and then the cops are on set and then they yeah. leave. There's, they don't, there's they not don't a ton of like following the cops. Like there's a couple little scenes in there, but there's, there's not a, the cops don't pull too much focus. And they don't even ultimately do anything. Cause like at no. the end, he basically, they don't stop him or anything. And no. like the only reason that they know he's there is cause he basically gives himself away. Yes. So they're just there cause they have to be i suppose yeah. but and uh, i would say hall of fame level questionable yeah parenting. top three i would say yeah top three i feel like at some point we have to go back through and like suss out like the most questionable parenting we've ever come across yeah that would be maybe maybe for our hundredth episode I'll put together <laughs> something a, we have to do. <laughs> I'll, I'll put together a tournament bracket. Oh, and I will uh, put it out there, and the patrons and anybody else can vote nice. on the different rounds of the tournament bracket. Nice, which sounds really fun, but like three people are probably going to do it. But anyway, <laughs> we will be two of them. Yes, who's going to join us? Anyway, peeping Tom. Um, so, I think the thing that stands out to me the most about this movie is mm. uh, this came out in 1960. It came out, like, I think three weeks before Psycho. Oh, wow. And um, Psycho generally gets the nod as being, like, the start of modern horror movies, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, you the slasher movies, everybody goes back to Psycho. Mm-hmm. All the, a, a lot of the stuff that from the 70s and the 80s, a lot of people go back to Psycho. Yeah. I think this movie is equally as important to that evolution. Yeah. If not arguably more. Mm. Maybe, I, more is debatable, but... More is a tough one because... I think since Psycho has is so ubiquitous and so widely known that yeah. there's like everybody kind of trying to reference it and trying to do homages and stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. I think this one is a deeper cut. It is. But the thing that's so fascinating about it is it has so many more of the what would become like slasher movie hallmarks mm. than Psycho does. Interesting. Where, you know this is where you get the first person killer shot for the f- more probably around the for- first time. I don't yeah. really do that in psycho. I don't think. Um, do they? I feel like there's a couple moments. I don't know if it's technically because the, sh- the shower scene. <sighs> is that first? person? I will get there. It's, eventually. it's sort of, it, I don't know. Well, yeah. th- this has, this has it on the scale of like Halloween. So yes. like Halloween's yeah, opening scene. Explicitly put in the position of right, the killer. Right. Yeah. And also, the thing I find interesting about this is this movie is it is very reminiscent of Italian giallo movies, hmm. but it is four years before those even started. So like yeah, this wow. feels very much like it could have been a Mario Bava movie, mm-hmm. um, but it predates those. And so I have to imagine they were pulling from this as much yeah. as they're pulling from anything else. Although maybe not, because one of the bits of trivia about this movie, it was in the theater for five days. Until it was forcibly removed <gasps> because the uh, there was such an uproar and a response wow. about the content 
that they forced it to be removed from theaters and effectively ruined the career of the director. Holy shit. So, so was it just seen as, as sort of pornographic in and of itself? Yeah. Or, it, or just like morally ab- abhorrent yeah, kind of kind basically, of like yeah, it's, the, oh, it's the, so horrible? It was the uh, basically like the, the sex, the violence, and the combination of sex and violence was at a level that was uh, indecent at yeah. the time. Yeah. And so it was taken out. Of, and this was made by Michael Powell, I guess, was a director who had had a pretty good career and was known for making like well-regarded higher class movies i think mm-hmm. and then he comes out with this thing yeah. and nobody gave it a chance and just looked wow. at it at face value and was like this is trash <gasps> and essentially ruined his career jeez that's horrible yeah yeah but it, you know it's interesting though because i feel like it's always deceptive when we talk about dates mm-hmm. and we all kind of i think instinctually or, or like subconsciously we think about things in terms of decades Yep. So when you hear this comes out in 1960, you're like, oh, but it was a movie in the 60s. It's like, well, no, it came out in 1960, yeah. which yeah. is essentially still the 50s. The 50s yeah. <laughs> like, so it's, I, I think even while we were watching watching it, I didn't even really process this the way I am now as we're starting to talk about it, where it's like, yeah, this this was early. Yeah. This was really early. Yeah. Like even a movie that came out in 62 or 63 is like more firmly into a new quote unquote more modern era. Mm-hmm. This is coming out in a society that's still very much like post-war. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah, that's and interesting. I, I do think that this this movie is um while uh, where I would say ultimately the content of norman bates's character is mm-hmm. probably more and, and like what he does is probably more disturbing yeah i think this movie actually is is more disturbing than psycho is because i think they this is kind of a this is a real mental mind fuck kind of movie yeah. for the people watching it for a bunch of different reasons but also just the stuff that they're willing to show in this Mm. Well, there it's not like there's not blood spurting everywhere and stuff, yeah. but there's some kind of fucked up kills in this movie. Oh yeah. You know, not not just the main thing that the guy's doing, which is filming these women yeah. with a mirror on the front of his yes. camera. His weaponized camera. Yeah, and he's his one of the legs of his tripod is actually a giant like stiletto knife. Yep. And he very slowly kills them with it <laughs> and then w- f- films they're themselves watching themselves die yeah so you get that (laughs) um you get a lot more insight into what was done to this guy by his father yes whereas in you know i I hate to i don't want to i'm not trying to drag psycho because psycho's fine but like (laughs) i love psychos yeah so yeah yeah, it's fine (laughs) it's it's good i I I love it. So. I'll be interested to talk about it because I yeah. I go back and forth on Psycho a lot, but mm. um, you know Psycho you don't really get much into Norman Bates his yeah. psychology, whereas this one it's like you get he's normally I would say you get too much and like why is this stuff on tape and why does he have mm-hmm. this? But that's the whole point of the whole right, thing, right? Right. <laughs> it's it's like the fact that this has happened and that he still has these tapes right. is why he is the person he is today, right? Yeah. And so, like, you're getting a much more frank kind of look at something while a, on its face mm-hmm. is essentially, like, Batman villain level. Yeah. Um, is actually a really uncomfortable kind of look at uh, 
psychology and the mm-hmm. psychology of voyeurism and mm-hmm. how that plays into people watching movies. Yeah. And I think I, I just I hadn't watched this in 15 years. Wow. Is that true? Yeah, at least. And I was really struck this time by how uh, ahead of its time it was for the yeah. stuff it was talking about. Yep. Uh, we we talked about how it's like it's almost feels like it's commenting on a genre that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Because it it does kind of if you made this movie in 1985, mm-hmm. people would go, oh, this is a there, it's a comment on the slasher movie. Yes. Like, if, yeah. If you oh, didn't change is, a frame. This is a metafiction, metatext yeah. kind of thing where it's talking about like how you as the viewer are complicit in the violence because you're watching it and you're you know, all of that mm. kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, that didn't really, there was nothing to comment on yet. Well, that's <laughs> the thing though. Cause like, I think if it had been made in the eighties, there mm. would be a more specific thing to comment on. Yeah. But being made when it was, it's a much larger commentary on just the, the movie watching experience in and of itself. Right. Which is even I feel like it's almost even more uncomfortable yeah. because it's not just being like, oh, these movies are blank. It's like, no, you, yes. the viewer. If you watch anything, yeah. you are like this in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Which which I think is really interesting because at the time, I mean, I, I'm not super up on all my historical facts around this, but like, you know, this was around the era where people were starting to have televisions in their homes. Yes, like this was pretty early. I believe I was reading this was before most people had TVs. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't unheard of. No, like no, not they at all. existed, and people went to the movies. Mm-hmm. Like this, it was a common activity for lots of folks. So it's becoming part of daily life in a big way, sort of for the first time for like the average person. Yeah. So I, th- I think that does make it really interesting to then have this movie that's all about somebody who's obsessed with watching and like looking through the camera and looking through, you know, photographs and and on screen rather than directly interacting with people when they do stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, I blabbed on for long enough. Hmm. Did you, what did you think of this movie? I really liked it. Yeah. I was ready based on the premise for it to be a lot more, I keep kind of waffling on on what word to use because exploitative uh, sounds really strong and I didn't even think it was going to be like an exploitation film. But like, I guess I just, I, I I was ready for it to be a little more lurid. Sure, yeah. Just in terms of kind of doing the like, well, the girls deserved it kind of vibe. Like, well, what did they expect sort of thing? Mm-hmm. And this doesn't really go in that direction. No, like Like no. we were kind of joking at the top about... um the sex worker at the very beginning and it's it's actually kind of nice because she's like well dressed and well put together and mm-hmm. she's pretty she's not like you know if this again if this were made in the 80s she'd be like run down and addicted to drugs oh, yeah. and and all of that yeah and she goes back she takes him back to like a nice looking apartment like it's like okay yeah she's she's she is a prostitute but she's not like a stereotype of like well she's like look at her she's filthy and a mess and she's horrible so she right. kind of deserves to die right. um and the girls that he that he photographs one of whom he ends up he photographs for these for the views yes <laughs> for not the tv show the view right although who knows maybe maybe yeah um she's sort of sassy and like talks about like oh i was out with my boyfriend and it was i was nervous because my fiance might have seen us right yes. yeah um 
But even so, she's kind of, she's not really looked down on by the film. She's just doing a job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and even then Helen, the girl he kind of falls in love with at the, at the house, he has a recording of her in one of the other borders, an adult, uh, another, a man's room. Right. At the end. And it's her saying like, well, I'm too nervous. And he's like, no one's going to come in here. It's fine. And she's like, oh, well, I don't know. And it's, and it's clear that it's like, oh, well, she was sleeping with him. Right. And we're not then encouraged to be like, oh, well now Mark should kill her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I I guess I, this is a very long way of saying I was very surprised at how like borderline progressive this movie was. (laughs) Yes. Where it's it like, definitely puts all the blame on Mark. It does, it does but not. even then, I actually argue it puts all the blame on his dad. That's true. Good point. Yeah. So it's sort of like this weird, like it's finding like empathy for Mark yeah. throughout the movie as well. It's it's like a very nuanced, like shockingly nuanced for a movie that came out in 1960, where it's like, usually you would expect a movie from that time period, the bad guy is just going to be the bad guy. Sure. And I think in this, there's much more room for debate over like how how responsible is Mark for his own behavior? Mm-hmm. What should ultimately happen to him? Like, is it good that he kills himself? Is that is that justice, or is it, would it have been better if he did get help? Right. Like, I don't know. I so I really I really liked this movie. I think yeah. it's like a very rich text. Yeah, I I I also really like it. Um, I think there's so much that you can dig into like you were talking about mm. the the opening scene with with the uh with the prostitute and how she's very she's not run down she's very yeah. nice looking yeah. and i would as you're talking about it i was thinking it's like well i mean the point of this well one of the things that he's talking about with this movie is this idea of watching people watching movies and i was mm-hmm. thinking she doesn't look like a quote unquote prostitute she yeah. looks like an actress mm. she looks like a movie star yeah and so the first thing that you have in this movie is through the first person point of view, which essentially means the audience point of view is mm-hmm. the murder of a sex worker yeah. who looks like a glamorous actress. And it's being like, played by an actress. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, man, yeah. that kind of, there's so much of that stuff runs through this movie. Yeah. Like um, one of the bits that I really liked was uh, the movie. So Mark works as a focus puller. <laughs> for the uh, for this actual movie, yeah, and so, <laughs> there's there's some I will give this movie more credit than I was expecting for uh, how tongue in cheek, darkly mm-hmm. funny a lot of it is, especially yes. everything involving the shooting of the movie, like yes. the, the actual movie movie, yes, was really funny, yeah, uh, in like a really dark kind of way. Um, but there's there's a, a they have this big set of like a department store. Mm-hmm. And they also have like a, a like a mock up of the, the the department store that's mm-hmm. for like reference. It's like made out of cardboard or whatever. Yeah. And there's a certain point where I'm I'm pretty sure they shoot the actual set from the mm-hmm. same angle they shot the the, the prop, mm. and it makes the set look like the fake prop. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's just like it. They don't draw any attention to it. They just yep. do like a little quick shot to match the other thing. And it's it's so much of that considered imagery yeah. in this movie that really pushes this into a like it doesn't surprise me mm-hmm. that the at the time the only thing that got pulled out of it for people watching it was how violent and yes. you know lurid it was. Yeah. Um 
because on the surface, yeah. like again, if this was made 10 years later, mm-hmm. this would be like a grindhouse movie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. like if this was made in America in 1978, yeah. yep. this would be Driller Killer or something, yes. you know? Yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, uh, that being I, said, Driller Killer is in the Criterion Collection, so maybe not the right one to use. But you know what I mean. Right. And and, and it's funny because I think when I first like kind of read the, the summary, the synopsis, like overview of this movie before we watched it, I was sort of expecting something more like that. Yeah. And was really surprised at what I got instead, which is very much like amongst many other things, a commentary on the making and consumption of movies and like the idea of artifice in general, like you're saying with like the, the, the actual set and then the prop set and then like even Viv, the, the, um, the extra or the stand in Mm -hmm. who he kills on set. Um, she has her whole dance number to like music she brought in herself right. <laughs> on her little her, tape player. Her very, uh, very portable, very convenient portable music player. Yes, it's basically the iPod of its day. <laughs> I was gonna call it a Walkman, but yes, you know. which was about uh, one foot by a foot and a half. <laughs> yep, probably weighed, weighed 14 like fourteen pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she plays one song. Yes. Um, but even that was really interesting having her do a whole dance number before she gets killed. It it sort of felt like almost a little silly and a little jarring in the moment to watch it. Mm -hmm. And then as I thought about it, I was kind of like, you know, but like part, part of the thing is this is commenting on not only the consumption of film films, but the desire to be on film. Absolutely. Yeah. What kind of person wants to be in front of the camera and what kind of person wants to be behind it right and so yeah it's 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 i feel like you can do a lot thematically with this movie this would be great to write like a very long paper on yes because i'm a giant nerd and uh you know there's there's a great scene towards the end where the girl whose name i can't remember which girl the nice one who lives in the house helen helen (laughs) where daughter of mrs stevens daredevil mom stevens where Helen um, stumbles upon one of Mark's films uh-huh. and basically can't take her eyes off of it. Yep. So she has this moment where she sees it and, and is horrified by it. And then he shuts it off. But then all she does in the rest of the scene is ask him what happens next. Yes. <laughs> and it's very, it is, it is kind of interesting where it's like she's just viewed this horrible thing. She knows what yeah. it is, but she's like, I yeah. need to know what happens. Yeah, you have to tell me. She keeps saying things like, because he's like, please don't be frightened. I don't know if I can control myself if you're frightened. Mm-hmm. And she says, you have to tell me what you did to these girls or I'll be frightened for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like she keeps emphasizing that like the only way for you to to let me out of this is to tell me exactly explicitly what you did. Right. And it's like, wow, okay. (laughs) Maybe you guys are a good couple after. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that is one thing where I think the way that they play this out is Mm. ultimately fine. Maybe you'll disagree, which is hopefully maybe which is great if you do. Uh, but like I, I was expect, I was getting, why is it always like the love of a nice woman that takes these psychopaths and makes them like, okay. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, that's what they do in these movies where it's like, so like we were taught as we were watching this, we were talking, it, it reminded me a lot of Manhunter or Red Dragon. Yes. And uh, for multiple reasons, like yes. there, there's yeah, got, I would many be, reasons. I would be shocked if 
Thomas Harris, Thomas Harris hadn't Harris just been like, and taking copious yeah. notes. Although, I don't know, though, because one of the other things was this movie was not... Uh, he Is he American, Thomas Harris? Uh, I believe so. Okay. This movie was not released in theaters in America until 1999. So wow. I don't know who in America saw it. Apparently, Martin Scorsese did because he was basically this movie's only champion for a long time. Huh. Wow. Um, but... Uh, one of the, a couple of the things that that reminded me of Red Dragon mm-hmm. is this idea of the uh, outcast character, the quiet outcast, mm-hmm. who has a fetish for filming people that he's killing. Yes, uh, who is then sort of who works at a photo developing yep place yep who is sort of diffused a bit mm-hmm. by an actual woman. Yes, not a, not entirely dissimilar to Martin actually. I was going to, I, Martin is something I definitely want to talk about in comparison to this movie. Sure. Yeah. Um, but like that, that, that one, this one and Red Dragon kind of yeah. are, are all doing the same thing where it's like, you've got this, I don't want to say he's misunderstood cause he's a psychopath, but <laughs> you've got this person who clearly is very insular, does not, uh, have any experience with other people yeah. or anything close to resembling real love yeah and he gets a taste of that and it kind of diffuses him yes um but ultimately it it ends up going horribly wrong right um how do you feel about that as a trope because like i don't i thought in this one it actually worked pretty well because i didn't think it let him off the hook for anything Mm -hmm. um and i get well i mean all of those examples that never really lets them off the hook for anything but Anyway. Well, well the, here's here's the problem with this trope, in my opinion, is that like it's so much more widespread than the three movies we just mentioned. Yeah, it, the, it's those three are pretty good examples I was, of like so, well done versions exactly, of it. Exactly, yeah. and that's what I was gonna say. Like sometimes things become a trope or a cliche because they work. Right. Yeah. And and this is one that I think when it works, it makes a ton of sense. We just so happen to live in a society mm. um, that. joker over here i know right um that typically you know men are seen as the aggressors or violent and and so you're going to get these stories where it's more often than not a male figure who is the one perpetrating violence Mm -hmm. and then it's this love that they never got from a woman kind of maybe almost settling them out you know getting them out of that cycle of violence the reason why it's frustrating is because it's done so much. It's yeah. all over the place. Yeah. And when it's not done well, it turns the girl into just a prop. Right. Where it's like all of our focus and our emotion is supposed to be on the man, whether or not he's a good guy or a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, because it turns it into a woman's fault then if you can't defuse him. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is like a thing that happens in real life around like serial killers a lot or, where they talk about like, well, his mother fucked him up. So it's his mother's fault. Or, or if this woman was engaged to him and she broke it off and then he raped and killed 30 people and it's her fault. I would say it less it's less that it's her fault mm-hmm. and more that um, it actually acts to humanize the killer by yeah. giving him that scene where he's like, it's too late for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Wh- wh- which I think still turns the, the woman into a prop because yeah. now she's just like a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a device. Exactly. To, to 
she's only there ultimately to give him a little bit of sympathy before yep. he ultimately gets killed. Yep. Which is why I find it so fascinating in horror movies mm-hmm. how this trend morphs into it's not the woman who's giving the monster a little bit of, of humanity. Yeah. It's the woman who's cutting his fucking head off. Right. Like all of that is gone. And instead of yes. having... Instead it, of it having, turns it from like a... a um, a relationship where she's she's kind of a device to get him to this revelation, and it flips that into an adversarial relationship instead. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, there's never. Is there? I was trying. Is there a? Is there a Friday the Thirteenth where the the girl tries to like? In two. She kind of psychoanalyzes him. Yeah, but separate she sort of, from him. Yeah, but, but she sort of does the like, "I'm your mother. You must listen to me." That's thing, true. Which yeah. is a little bit of the. It's not quite the same. I'm yeah. not. I'm not trying to say it's. It's the same, but yeah, it's it's really fascinating, and I'm not. It, it's funny because I don't love that trope, but I actually didn't hate it in this movie. Mm. Like I feel like the two characters kind of. I mean, honestly, I think the actors were really good. They were, yeah. So I think they just had, like, good chemistry and sort of a believable rapport. And, like, the idea that, like, she's this younger woman who lives in this boarding house with her blind mother who's pretty dependent on her. Mm-hmm. And that the young, handsome man who lives in the attic who's always kind of, like, quiet and mysterious appeals to her Mm -hmm. and then she turns out she's a writer and he's he's a filmmaker so they're both artists in their own ways and so i i I sort of bought it that she'd find him like mysterious and romantic rather than just like flat out creepy um which was part of my problem i think with martin Mm -hmm. and his second cousin or whatever who he lives with like yeah where it's like a your cousins (laughs) and also b he comes in and is just like creepy yeah yeah (laughs) all the time creepy Mm -hmm. and there's not a lot that's like charming or redeeming about martin well the woman he ends up sleeping with in martin is so like it doesn't even matter like she's so far gone at that point exactly which is why i'm talking instead about oh i'm sorry the woman he lives in the house with like his his tatakuda's daughter yes or Or granddaughter or or whatever whatever. um yeah like i i yeah, I wouldn't even in Martin focus on um, the woman he does end up having an affair with because she is, she, I don't think, is playing that role at all of mm. the, like, I'm going to, like, humanize you. I'm going to bring you back into civilization. Right. I actually think it's a kind of, thinking more about it now, a great subversion of that. Yeah. Where she's using him as an escape and then he doesn't work for her as right. an escape, so she kills herself. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, like the way it works in this movie, because I, I think it actually succeeds in building a little sympathy for, for Mark. Yeah. I mean, you know, seeing him genuinely, seeing him genuinely struggle with himself and his own urges to not hurt Helen is like, oh, okay. There, there's some part of him that means it with her right you know he's more like he's he's a very modern monster Mm. but he has a lot of classic monster built into him like he yeah he feels almost like quasimodo ish yeah where he's like uh, i I don't actually know if i've ever seen that movie but like my (laughs) he's the he's the kind of he's the old style of monster who is 
a little bit misunderstood. Yeah. But he is still doing bad stuff. Right. It kind of it kind of gave me Frankenstein's monster sure. vibes, yeah. where it was like you were created by a cruel scientist and then unleashed on the world. Right. And right. you know, you keep going after things you find beautiful and compelling and destroying them. Yeah. Kind of whether or not that's the actual intent. Yep. Like the thing with Mark that I I th- I think for him it's the fear. Mm-hmm. And it's like he wants to watch the fear happen. And to do that, he has to, it's like an addiction and like a drug. He has to keep escalating how intense the fear is. Yeah. And so kind of that's why he kills them is because that's the ultimate fear is knowing you're about to die and knowing you're dying. I, I think it's less about the, like, I love seeing dead women. I think it's more about, I need to see them see themselves right in the instant before they die. Yeah. It's, there's so much interesting stuff you can read into his uh, his mo. Yeah, because on the one hand, I am very curious as to h- how many people he has actually killed. Mm-hmm. Because like, I don't think that you get to the point that he's at without trial and error. Because sure. it's not just that he films the women as he's killing them. Yeah, that's not getting the reaction that he wants. Mm-hmm. So he, he goes a step further, and instead of just having a camera on them as they're dying, he has this mirror that allows them to see their own face yep. as they are being killed, yep. which creates the scariest version of this, which, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, like, how do you get to that point? Is How many people has he killed? Because obviously when they talk about serial killers and stuff, it's like, oh, well, yeah. they, they escalate, right? Yeah. So he's probably done this the other way as yeah. well. Yeah, um, which is another kind of parallel with Martin. Where it's yeah, like yeah. he's refined a system and yeah. he's figured out what works. But Mark has the added challenge, if you want to put it that way, of he's trying to also get good footage. Right. Like he clearly yes. has some sort of artistic standard for himself because yeah. there's that amazing scene um, that I loved. It was probably my favorite part of the movie where Mrs. Stevens, daredevil mom herself, mm-hmm gets herself up into his apartment and into his dark room and waits for him to come home. Right. And then they have this sort of confrontation where they're kind of talking in riddles to each other, like around the real issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And while she's in the apartment, he puts on his, his most recent snuff movie Mm -hmm. and he gets really upset because the light fails at the last minute right. and he doesn't get the picture he needs. Also feels kind of like Red Dragon a little bit. Yeah, it does. With the blind woman. Absolutely, the, it does. Um, but so, you know, then you add into this idea of like trial and error and him figuring out the, the quote unquote right way that he wants to kill people. And then you probably add in like how many in- incidents like this has he had where like yeah. the equipment fails or the light's not right or there's there's too much noise in the background like how many times has he just got he's killed someone but gotten bad footage out of it and goes right. oh i have to do another one yeah 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 and i mean it it, it <clears throat> if you start extrapolating out the sort of uh allegory or metaphor that that they're playing with in the movie it's like mm. they are break they are distilling movie making down to basically getting everything you can out of the person on screen to the point yep. that they die yeah. for the amusement of the person who's watching it. Yeah. Because that's the other thing is, you know, where 
where he is not like he's killing the women for the footage. He's not killing the women because he likes to kill the women. Right. However, and so there there is a sort of um, uh, academic mm-hmm. element to it. Yeah. Where he's kind of he's exploring this fear aspect. Yeah, because I think it's teaching him in his mind something about himself. But also. They don't make this super explicit, mm-hmm. but I still think he's getting like a sexual thing out of this. Oh, probably. Because the, the first time they show him watching the footage, yeah. they do this like weird cut around where at the moment that she dies, mm-hmm. he, he kind of like leaps up out of his chair in a very yeah. suggestive way. And it's like a very quick cut. And I was like, yeah. I think I understand what's going on here. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is, it is, it's very, it's a very complex thing that he's got going on that yeah it's difficult to distill down to one motivation yeah and i think his sexual satisfaction comes from watching the footage yes yes like i I think it's not as again i'm gonna use martin as a because we just did it as a and it's like similar ish as a convenient uh foil you know martin is actively raping these women right either right before he kills them or right after Mm -hmm. um when he's you know knocked them out and then he exsanguinates them and, ra- and rapes them or switch switch those two sure i think mark is not raping them right or even really well i mean metaphorically he is but <laughs> right but i mean literally <laughs> yes <yeah. laughs> like literally he is not raping them right or really even molesting them it's very much just about getting this footage so that then he can run home and have his fun by himself right with no one watching him yeah yeah <laughs> Which I think is also pointed. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you think, I said earlier, mm. what do you think the mother thinks he is? Because they have that scene where they, they kind of talk around stuff and yeah. clearly she knows there's something wrong with him. Yes. To that she doesn't want him hanging around her daughter. But like, what do you, what could you glean from that that, that she is afraid of with him? So it's really interesting because initially I thought she had an idea that he was dangerous, like physically violent. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of, she went up there and confronted him and sort of gave him a hard time about his films. And I was like, okay, so then do you just think he's like a weirdo? Is, Is that what it is? But then she she very quickly realizes she's in danger with him mm-hmm. that it's not safe. Like she she's very much frightened and she says she is. And then it kind of diffuses because he doesn't want to hurt Helen. Like mm-hmm. he, he he would hurt Helen if he hurt Helen's mother. And instead he 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 kind of gives gives up on on it and she says to him, "You can't control yourself, can you?" Or something like that. Yeah. You're not able to control yourself. And then he kind of reassures her, like, I would never photograph Helen. And he, like, walks her downstairs. And she's the one who tells him, get help and quickly. Or you'll never see my daughter again. We'll move. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me because I, I can't really figure out, like, does she, is she cognizant of the fact that he is a violent person? Right. Or does she just think that he's a creep or like a sex maniac? <laughs> Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is she more afraid that he's going to force himself on her daughter? Or maybe that was where her fear was coming from. Like, 
is he going to force himself on me? Like, I am a helpless blind woman. Well, what's interesting about that Mm -hmm. is that if there's anybody who's safe in that movie, it's her. Yeah. Because she wouldn't be able to see... Yes. The thing, yeah. She wouldn't be able to emote the thing that he wants. Right. If he tried to show her her own face right before she died, it, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Unless she had, he had somebody there who was like explaining to her yeah. what was happening. <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting question because, you know, I love that sequence and I love that character. And I, th- I think the actress who plays her is amazing. And she's just such a fun character to kind of have in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like she's a little snarky and, and a right. little like yeah. of a different tone than the rest of the people in the movie. But yeah, I can't quite figure out either. Like what I I think she knows enough to know that he's not a safe person for Helen to be around. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's what form of danger that takes. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Why do you think Mark ultimately gives himself up the way he does by murdering? Yeah. The, the the woman in the so a couple things yeah uh, the first scene that we see with him up in this uh, boudoir yes if you will yes there are two women there mm-hmm. uh, one of whom is not necessarily dressed that much different than the than the the sex worker he actually does kill mm-hmm. um, that he's taking who's taking pictures of and then there's another woman there yes. Who has a big? I don't. Is it supposed to be like a hair lip? I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wasn't totally sure what the read on that was because it was really interesting yeah. when she turns. You know, she's this gorgeous woman, but she turns around. Yeah. And she's we, got this. We see her in profile for most of the scene until at the very end she turns to face camera. Right. Yeah. And I couldn't tell what I couldn't read what his response was mm. if he was repulsed by it or if he was uh drawn in by it mm. um I don't know if he if if there's supposed to be some sort of overlap with the audience and him being like oh you're not expecting this yeah you know, disfigurement yeah I don't know it was, it was really it was really interesting so I definitely think that Mark the character is very compelled by it mm-hmm. because she turns and she because because when they're when they're doing the photography session the the blonde woman millie i think her name was is saying to mark oh you can fix my bruises right like when you do the pictures you can you can cover these up you can make them look right and he's like yes sure and then the other woman when she turns to face him kind of says like they told me you could fix me too mm-hmm. like in the photos and he says something like i don't want to yeah you know and then he like very much like wants to zoom in on her face and it's really interesting i've been thinking about that too i don't fully get what i, I don't i don't really know exactly what all of that was about i was kind of thinking like is part of it again our own sort of voyeuristic impulses when we watch stuff yeah of being fascinated by things we find unusual or disturbing or even grotesque right you know like not being able to tear your eyes away from something you know you really shouldn't be looking at yeah. or you know it's it's gross it's, this is a really reductive example um but you know like on tiktok and stuff people 
for some weird reason love like pimple popping videos yes i hate them i think they're gross but do you know what i mean there's that part of the human brain that is fascinated by things that would otherwise maybe cause you to recoil or be disgusted yeah and so i don't know if it's kind of trying to comment on that like being entertained or or intrigued or drawn in by something like a disfigurement or something violent Mm. or something like that you didn't watch x yet did you not yet Interest. It would be interesting. It's interesting to think about that movie in relationship to this movie, mm. because X is sort of isn't it also kind of about making a movie? Yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of playing. It's it's got a, it's playing a lot with with the idea of how kind of similar um, horror movies and porno can kind of be, mm. and how they are. A lot of people view them as sort of interchangeable. Yeah. And, and but it's also kind of messing with um, certain preconceptions about what is beautiful and what is disgusting and stuff. Because mm. I remember there's a, there's a scene in X where uh, I don't know if this is would I don't think this is going to ruin the movie for you. But there's a scene in so in X there's a there's a, a very old woman who and her husband who own this this farmhouse that these these people are shooting their porno at. Uh-huh. And there's a scene later in the movie. Where we're talking like decrepitly old. Okay. Where these two have sex. Okay. And it's pretty, my first instinct is good for them. Well, that's so that's <laughs> the thing, right? So it comes at a point in the movie where stuff has started going haywire, mm. and so then there's this really sort of like uh, ag- aggressively, if if you want to call it passionate sex scene, mm. and as I was watching in the theater, my first instinct was. Oh, because because they're like they're they're made up to be like very like yeah quote unquote disgustingly old if you yeah, want to put that yeah. way. But then like as it was going on, I was like, wait a minute, yeah, I, I that's not fair of me. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, I was gonna say it's that kind of thing where like y- you you recoil, but then when you stop and think to yourself, you're like, well, I mean. I hope when I'm decrepitly old, I'm still having sex. Yeah, you know and, I mean? and you know, like so much of the movie is of that movie is about you know uh, the the what is what is beauty and, mm. and the loss of beauty and what does that mean and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And so when you have this sequence, that is, it's it really works on both angles where it's mm-hmm. like it's kind of gross to watch, but at yeah. the same time, I kind of feel like the movie is saying like. You know, you it's, think about you, why, right? Why are you re- reacting yeah. the way you're reacting to this scene? Yes, and I kind of, I kind of feel like that a little bit in this, yeah, p- part of the movie. Yeah, I think, I think this movie does that a lot, where it's kind of tell, like saying to you, like you have to think, like t- it's trying to get the audience to think about why it's okay for us to do it, but it's not okay for Mark to do it, right? Or right, however you want to structure that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, why why do you think he kills that woman to to give himself up at the end? I was I was trying I was kind of having trouble tracking because he has yeah. like a moment yeah. where he's like, okay, I know what I have to do, yeah, and that is he kills that woman, the blonde woman who had be he had been taking boudoir photos of yes. earlier in the movie, and that leads the cops to him at his place, yeah. Um, but I couldn't quite square why he decided to do that. I my my instinct is that it's probably kind of twofold. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing is that he's been kind of gradually circling closer and closer to home 
as sure. he kills people. Mm-hmm. You, you, like he, he's been less discreet, <laughs> like throughout the movie. Yeah, he starts with an a nameless sex worker who he has no connection to in some neighborhood in London. Right, that's it. And then he kills Viv, who works with him. Mm-hmm. That's pretty close to home at that point. Like that's that's putting yourself in real danger of being caught. Can I can I just say sorry to jump in the middle. I thought one of the funniest things in the movie and mm-hmm. a probably the most scathing indictment of making movies yeah. was after they find Viv's dead body. Uh-huh. They go back to work on the same set. Yes. Yeah, like very quickly. <laughs> and like, like the, the next day. And the director is like pissed off that yes! the, the woman in the scene yes, he's can't mad handle at his it. Actress. Yeah, I I was that was all that was very funny. Anyway, I sorry. also love when uh when Mark's talking to one of the other guys who works on set and he says he's been he's been filming the whole discovery of the body, and the guy's like, What are you doing? And he's like, Well, I'm making a movie. And the other guy's like, Are you crazy? And Mark just goes, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that kind of does get back into, I, I think Mark, I think Mark wants to be caught. Sure. I think on a lot of levels, he wants to be caught. I think his, his ultimate goal is that he becomes sort of the finale in his own film. Right. Well, he's got, he has been planning for this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He says, he says, um, in, in the sort of climax of the movie, when the cops are at the door and Helen is Helen has seen his horrible snuff films and he's preparing to kill himself, he kind of sets everything up and then goes back and he says to Helen something like, watch them say goodbye one by one. I've timed it so many times. Right. So this was always the plan is like, I know I'm going to get caught one day and when they come for me, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a bunch of cameras go off and take my picture. I'm going to kill myself the way I kill my victims. Yeah. I think what sets him off to decide that like now is the time is that he's in love with Helen mm-hmm. and Helen's mom has given him an ultimatum, yeah, which is find help and fix your shit or you'll never see my daughter ever again. Maybe her stories were just that bad. <laughs> um, oh no, there's a cop plot in this one. <laughs> I can't go on. Well, what I was going to say is the cops bring a, a, a psychiatrist to set right who he then asks on set what is it what is it called what what makes a person a peeping tom and they have this whole conversation psychiatrist who knew his dad yes yeah yes and he says to the psychiatrist well can it be treated can it be cured and psychiatrist is like oh of course yes he's can you do it quickly oh very quickly a couple years of um analysis three times a week for one hour each time and then it, it should be better and i think he realized that like oh, okay, if I had gone and they had been like, here's a pill, you're going to be fine. Or mm-hmm. like, here's here's a, a quick fix. You can go on with your life. I think then he would have done that and given it all up and gone off with Helen. Yeah. But I think that is a moment where he realizes that like, there is no easy fix for what he is and what he's done. And if he wants to protect Helen from himself, he's got to just end his movie. Yeah. You know, I will say, I thought that ending sequence was really cool. I thought mm-hmm. the idea was really cool. Um, I don't know if this was a conscious choice, <clears throat> but I think they could have shot that thing better because uh, it feels a little theatrical <laughs> when he kills himself. You don't say. However, <laughs> well, the thing that really stood out to me was 
I was really surprised that you didn't we didn't get to see it through the lens of the camera. Yeah. And like is that is uh, I don't know how deeply you know analytically nerdy I'm getting here but like is that on purpose because that would then give him what he wanted? I don't know. Like is yeah. it, I feel like a movie that seems to be as considered as this has to be making a choice not to show you his death through the lens of the camera. That's a really interesting point. I hadn't like fully thought about it. I I, I noticed watching it that it felt a little hokey, the ending. Um, Not that I think the actual ending in terms of like if you put it down plot wise is hokey, but like the way it is acted and the way it is shot. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. Like, I agree with you that given given how the rest of the movie is is structured so carefully and mm. and everything seems so intentional, it would be weird if this was just like an oversight or like oh well we want to see his face undistorted so we're gonna not do it through the camera like that. Yeah, that feels like not in keeping with the rest of the movie. So I don't know. Maybe it was a specific choice to sort of say we're gonna rather than give the audience one more level of removal from Mark as he dies, we're going to make you just look at Mark as he dies. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. It's a good question. Hmm. Uh, Another interesting level of (coughs) analysis. Uh, In the footage that he has that his father shot. Oh, yeah. uh, His father is played by the director of the movie. And young Mark is played by the director's son. Oh, shit. (laughs) And Mark's dead mother is played by the director's wife. Oh, wow. So he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's he's definitely aware of of what he's saying with the movie. Yeah, that's intense. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know that at all. Uh, Did you feel like this had some David Lynch in it? Like that that whole- Or do you mean does David Lynch have some this in him? Yes, yeah. Like that whole dance sequence- Yes, felt very David Lynch. Well, to I've me. been I've been finally listening to um that listening to slash watching that four and a half hour oh, YouTube yes. explainer of all of Twin Peaks. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um, and I was listening to a little bit of that earlier this week, and then we watched uh, Peeping Tom, and I was like, "Huh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> some similar themes yeah, going on." It yeah. definitely, I definitely think there's a through line. I think, I think part of it is anyone who sort of deals in fear and violence versus love and compassion in Mm. themes in their, in their work. And then also is a filmmaker who's thinking about what it means to make films. Yeah. Like I feel like both of them have a really good grasp on artifice. Yes. And like a, like ways to use it. Yeah. A well considered view on that Mm. and not just the usual, like, wait a minute, (laughs) the sky is a painting. You know, it's, (laughs) Like it's a more considered, more yeah. uh, abstract idea of yeah. artifice and, and what it means in the context of movies and stuff. No, I totally agree. I, de- I definitely see a connection there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought this movie was. It looked fantastic. It's mm. so Criterion put it out on DVD, mm. but it's been out of print since about 2010. Bummer. And I don't think it has ever, at least in America, been released on Blu-ray. Wow. Um, which is. A bummer because I would really like to watch the like a nice crisp yeah, print of I'm this movie. Kind of shocked, like why it's still so hard to find. It's yeah, not actually know. like it's violent. It, it, it's definitely a violent movie. A bunch of people die in it, but it's not. 
gory. There's no, it, no. very, very little blood. There's like some pictures of boobs. This is apparently it's <laughs> like not even a lot of like actual boobs. It's apparently known as the I believe it is known as the first English movie to have nudity in it. And there's about yeah. f- maybe five seconds of actual nudity in it. Right. Yeah. And that's that's what I keep kind of... I, again, I guess maybe I'm partially skewed because we just watched Martin and mm-hmm. there's just like naked ladies all over that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it feels uh, from a modern perspective, it feels strangely chaste for, yeah. the, for the subject matter. Yeah. Like you know, pornography and prostitutes and women getting murdered. And it feels strangely clean for all of that. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised no one's ever tried to remake it, frankly, because mm. it's, it has the kind of, um, it, it's about the kind of thing that I feel like at, at least someone who, is not as good a filmmaker as this guy was probably yeah. like, yeah, man, fucking a, but like, what about that? But like now, you yeah, know? yes. And what if we showed their boobs every yeah. time they're going to you know, die? It's like, what I didn't like about the original was that it was so clean and like, right, you know, right. like that first woman he kills, she's a prostitute, but she looks like a movie star. She should look like a prostitute. He's like, my man, I think you're missing the point here. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 I, this definitely seems like the kind of thing. That's give it to Rob Zombie. Oh, that's actually who I thought of when you first brought this up. I was like, what, like a shitty Rob Zombie remake? Speaking of... Which is not that all of his movies are shitty. No, no. A different style. Yeah. Speaking of, I did last night watch about 20 minutes of his new Monsters movie. Oh, really? Aww. Not great. Oh, that's sad. I mean... I was always more of an Adams Family person myself. Yeah. But that's still a bummer. Yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, maybe if if it's got a certain thing that you might enjoy, if that's what you're looking for. But it it just there was, it felt it felt like a, it felt like a straight to DVD movie oh. from like 2002. Oh no! Yeah, it was it was not great. Yikes! Um, it's really anyway. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I haven't watched the whole thing, so I'm no I'm no authority on. This watching is what movie. our post podcast recording beer is for. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this movie is beautifully shot. Like again, yeah. the 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 it's in Technica. It's also interesting comparing this to Psycho. Psycho yeah. obviously in black and white. Yep. This one is in like gorgeous Technicolor. Yep. Which I think is saying as much as anything else is about yes. movies and stuff. And um, it does have a lot of lighting in it that reminds me of Italian movies, like the, yeah. the ones that come after it. Like yeah. I um I don't think it's on our list. Mm. Let me do a real quick check here. Uh, no, it's not. Um, I think I think I, one of the next movies I might pick for a wild card is Mario Bava's Blood and Black Lace, Ooh. which is uh, one of the one of the earlier Giallo movies mm-hmm. that's in just like big bold colors, like everything that. Dario Argento was doing in Suspiria basically comes from this movie. Oh, interesting. Or the the other color movies that Bava was doing. Yeah. And it's about a murderer who's killing models at like a high society fashion house. Oh. And so it's got these big colors, beautiful women, fashion stuff. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Yeah, that sounds like it would be gorgeous. You know, the music is big and brassy and stuff. Perfect. Yeah. And it's (laughs) like, I feel like that style of movie comes from this yeah 
uh, because there is so much in this that feels like it's creating a genre that doesn't exist yet, but yeah. will exist very quickly. And it's it, it's that much more interesting to me that this was so short lived. Yeah, it's so. Every time you mention that, it's so strange to me because I just can't imagine. I can imagine the reaction in the time, like at the time being Mm -hmm. like, this is garbage, get it away from everyone. But I'm just so, so shocked this hasn't had more of a revival. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to watch this in a theater. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. That would be awesome. Yeah. Because there there are scenes where, like in addition to like the color you were talking about, there are lots of scenes that are very dark and very shadowed. Mm -hmm. And I think seeing those on the big screen would be really great. And like, I love there's again in the, in the scene where Mrs. Stevens is upstairs with him in the dark room and he watches that footage of the, of Viv who he's killed and he's kind of approaching the screen and the projectors behind him and it's projecting yeah. like her face is kind of on his back. Yeah, that was really cool. And it looks like that painting the screen. It does, yeah. It but it it's so like it makes her look like a ghoul. Mhm. And and it really heightens the idea that she's making this face of like abject terror. And yeah, I just thought that was like such a such a well done <laughs> moment. Yeah. Um how do you feel about the placement on this? This is very high on our list. This is, uh, what did I say? It's 32. Mm-hmm. 32. Too high, too low. Would you remove it? I mean, you know, I'm I'm surprised because when we first, when we first said we were going to do this movie and I saw that it was really high on the list, I was kind of like. There's no way this is one place better than 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. This is your first thought. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah. but also it was kind of like, I've never even heard of this one and it's in the top like 35. Like right. I'm kind of shocked. It, is it really going to be that good? And I, I'll give it to it. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd keep it around where it's at. Yeah, I would too. Um, I think also because <laughs> not that anybody gives a shit about this list, but I feel like <laughs> putting a movie, putting a movie like this that high makes i would i would like to think makes them react the way that you did and the way mm. that i did when i first found out about it which was i've never heard of this before uh-huh why is this so highly rated yeah i should watch this movie yes yeah that that's that's 100 percent kind of how i feel about it same way i felt about 10 cloverfield lane <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah uh is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap it up no, I no. Think, I think that's it. Cool, and I thought the music was really good in this too. Yeah, it, the, mu- the music's really fun. Yeah, in a weird way, like that. That sounds like incongruous to say about a movie where a guy kills a bunch of women. But well, like, you know, we'll wait till we watch Blood and Black Lace. It's very. <laughs> I so I am. I tend, whether or not I do it on purpose, <clears throat> I have a tendency toward. I wouldn't call it contrarianism, mm. but I like to find the pieces the Mm -hmm. missing links if you will Mm -hmm. sometimes where i can be like well you gotta consider like you haven't thought about this you've never seen this actually check this out which is why i go to bat so hard for black christmas yep and which is also why i go to bat so hard for this now yeah i feel like those are in the same pocket where it's like you uh, you sure halloween psych yeah okay fine Mm -hmm. but black christmas are you calling me a basic bitch in terms of horror movies uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but but I mean, there's obviously nothing wrong with that. But no, like, no, no, I know. 
it's I I just see movies when I come across movies like this that are in both cases mm-hmm. way ahead of their time. Yeah, like Black Christmas yeah. is turning the genre on its head that it is actually creating. Yeah, you know, um, I get a little bit bullish about them just because it's like I don't want them to fall through the cracks. Right, and there's know? that kind of question of like if these other movies that are so similar got so much attention and are still like you know like Psycho and, and Halloween are just seen as like permanent horror movie classics and there's so much that you could parallel in these other movies Mm -hmm. like peeping tom or black christmas it kind of makes you think like if everybody loved this and sees this one as a classic why don't they see this kind of like flip side of the coin or like tangent like like this this i don't want to call them equivalent right but they're definitely kind of like dealing with some of the same issues and and grappling with some similar stuff. Yeah. And there's some similar stylistic things going on and maybe they're trying to take it in a little different direction. But yeah, it can be really frustrating if you think that they're of of equal quality at least. Mm-hmm. If not that the lesser known one is better. It's kind of like, all right, then why isn't anyone paying attention? Right. Yeah. I uh all that being said, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't understand why Black Christmas isn't more well known. I think it's more well known now, but still, yeah. it's not that well known. Yeah, because Black Christmas, I think, is equally as entertaining yeah. as any of the other movies that are slotted higher. I mean, I I will say, like off the top of my head, I might I might rethink this later and, and change my mind. But of of the you movies, can't, once, once it's on record, <laughs> it's permanent. It's, it's on forever. tape. It's forever yeah. um, until I sit on it by accident and erase it. <laughs> Of of the movies I have watched for the first time doing this podcast with you, I think Black Christmas is my favorite new yeah. discovery, mm-hmm. you know? So I get it. I totally understand what you're saying. But the flip side, mm. I kind of I understand why this didn't get as much play. Because yeah. this, like, Psycho is just a masterpiece of movie going experience like it's a it's yes. a crowd pleaser yeah like it's well structured well, it it's wasn't a, the marketing but, sim- like like, like di- didn't like the exorcist take its cues from how psycho was marketed where they had like ambulances waiting outside yes, for people yes. to faint and and things yeah. like that uh-huh. so part of it's also that sure i mean yeah psycho is very much it's it's more of a roller coaster ride yeah this is not no, you know right away who the killer is. Well, it's not even that. It's like you don't walk out of Peeping Tom and go like, man, maybe I do, but you don't walk out of Peeping Tom and go, man, that was fucking awesome. You guys want to go back and like watch that again? That was yeah. crazy. You, yeah. go watch- you walk out of Peeping Tom and you just kind of like sit quietly for a bit. Yeah, you think a lot about yourself <laughs> right. and like the moral choices of the entertainment you, that you consume. If and- you go on a date to see Peeping Tom... It's probably the end of that date and probably the end of any further dates. I was going to say, if you go on a date to see Peeping Tom, I hope you're two lesbians. Because (laughs) if there are any men involved in this, they're going to be like, you're a murderer and I'm out of here. If you go on a date to see Peeping Tom and either of you notices that the other one is like a little too into the movie. He jumps up at the right moment. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's a bit of a different experience. Be like Mrs. Stevens and see those red flags. Right. Yes. So I, I understand. I think this was obviously given a bad rap. I think it was not sure. You know, I think like they say in back to the future, uh, I guess you guys, where we're going, we don't need roads. Well, that too, but I guess you guys aren't ready for this, but your kids are going to love it. Ah, um, but I understand why it's not like, 
a, yeah. per, a perennial classic that yeah. every Halloween we go to my friend's house and watch Peeping Tom. <laughs> watch Peeping you know? Tom. Yeah, that's that's. I think you're right. I think that's that's maybe it. at Martin Scorsese's house. I don't know. Uh, but. Probably. Oh God, could you imagine what it's like? Like a like a Halloween film festival with at his house. That would be pre- well. That would either. <laughs> That would either be really fun. No, he likes the schlocky, sh- the schlocky shit. I think yeah. I was going to say that would either be really fun or it would Just be like downer. here's a French movie that's <laughs> not really a horror movie, yeah. but I really loved it when I was 15 in New yes. York. But I think he likes the he likes the dir- the down and dirty stuff as much as anybody else does. There you go. Call us, Martin. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, we'll have him on the show. I mean, he should come on. <laughs> Ta- <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe peeping Tom is so underappreciated hmm. that if I put it out into the universe that we want to have Martin Scorsese <laughs> come talk about Peeping Tom, he would be like, absolutely, let's do it. Wow. Okay, I'm putting it out there. Manifesting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's going to do it for Peeping Tom. I have hit the randomizer button. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. And uh, interestingly enough, given how much I talked about how this is a bit of a forerunner to the Italian giallo. Oh. We will be watching next time Dario Argento's first movie, number 88, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Ooh. Which I have actually never seen. Yeah, this so is a new one for me too. I'm, I've always, I've been wanting to watch it. Now I finally have a reason to. Let's do so it. So I'm excited about that. But thank you guys for listening. If you want to help out the show, head over to the patreon.com slash the Penske file. Join our Patreon where you can hear Amanda and I cover the second string of Stephen King films, which is the second the Stephen King movies that are not on our list mm-hmm. but are still fun to watch. Um, October is going to be Pet Cemetery. Yes. We just did uh, <laughs> What the hell did we just do? It didn't have a car in it, so I can't remember what it is. Oh, Firestarter. <laughs> We just did Firestarter, and sometimes they come back, and Christine, and the other one with a car in it. I can't remember which one it is. Maximum Overdrive. Overdrive. How could you forget? With many cars. Yes. Uh, And so that means November is going to be Children of the Corn. Nice. And then we are going to be rounding out the year. Seasonally appropriate. Yes. We'll be rounding out the year with the 1990 television adaptation of Stephen King's It. I'm pumped for that. Which I'm very excited about. So uh, thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Clay. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.